Jonah. Now we're going to talk about lessons we can learn from Jonah. Now, you know there's a lot about Jonah. And I was reading some material, and this is, goes back about three or four weeks that I was reading some other books in my study. And the thought of uh, uh, Jonah was in some of those readings. And, of course, I was gone for vacation for a week, which gave me two weeks since I've actually spoke. So if I do a bad job, it's because I been, haven't been here for a couple of weeks. i got to get back in gear, so to speak. But uh, if you want to turn to the book of Jonah... That's where we're going to take our lesson, naturally. Um, we could actually read the whole book of Jonah, because in your Bible it may only take up three pages, if that. You know, two and a half or three pages is all it is. But turn to Jonah, and we'll look to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Lord, again for the opportunity we have to come into the house of God and open your eternal word and learn some things that will be helpful to us as we move forward in being what you want us to be, in the kingdom of God. So just uh, guide us as we read your word, study your word, and understand your word in a greater way to be more what you'd have us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, the book of Jonah. Oh, yeah. In the book of Jonah, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to it. Now, we're not going to vary very far from it. i got a couple other scriptures just to prove a point or two. It says in verse 1, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amtimani, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish. Get that last line real close. From the presence of the Lord. Oh, he went on vacation to get away from God. Now, I just came back from vacation, but I had no intentions whatsoever to go on vacation to get away from the presence of God. You can't do it anyway. All right? So here we have... In verse 1, it says that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. All right? Now, what do we know about Jonah? All right? Where did he live? What century? What town? How did he live? What kind of person was he? Well, I'm going to answer some of that. And it says the, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. How did the word of the Lord come to Jonah? What was he doing? How does the word of the Lord come to you? How do you understand what God wants from you? Was he praying? Was he reading? Was he listening? Was he meditating? Was he a pastor? Was he a prophet? Or just a concerned person <coughs> Excuse me. had enough conscience to know about God and realize he needed to obey God and he saw the impact that maybe God had had on other people's lives, whether it be good or evil. I've always said that. You don't have to try every sin in the world to know which sin's right and which is wrong. Sin's wrong, period. Now, if you can't learn it by reading God's Word and allowing the Holy Spirit to talk to your heart and your conscience and your mind, 
Just watch other people. I have learned so much that's not written in the Bible of what I should do or not do based on what I've seen other people do. Amen. Joel, I went to High State University. My freshman year, I lived in the Moral Tower on the 18th floor. I lived there for a year. Amen? Now, that's the one that's closest to the football stadium. There's two of them. The closest, that's where I lived for a year. How about that? There was guys in there that smoked marijuana. I didn't even have to go in the room to know they were in there smoking. I could smell it, and I got a headache instantly. I never smoked it, never wanted to be around it. But for them, they thought it was cool. But I watched them. The ones that thought that was the best thing to do, oh, to relax, to meditate. No, those are the ones that failed and flunked out of school and went home early. Amen? Because if all you go to do is party, you won't be at Ohio State very long. All right, that's just my testimony. I learned from watching them that's something I should do. And to this day, never has marijuana been in my possession to smoke or do or whatever you do. Now, I've smelled it, so I guess I, I'm better than little Clinton. I inhaled it because I smelled it. Amen? But nonetheless, I learned that those kind of areas I need to shun and stay away from. Those aren't the things that's going to make me better person for God. So we can learn from watching others, even if we don't even pick the book up and understand everything that's in the Bible for ourselves. All right, now it even says in here who his dad was. And Tim and I, anybody know who he was? Do you? All right. Got anyone want to stand and tell me who he was? Huh. Well, you probably wouldn't know who he was unless you took the time to sit down and look his name up and follow through a concordance and check it all out. He appears one other time in the Old Testament, and it's in the book of Kings. Now, what's the book of Kings good for? The book of Kings tells all the kings that ruled in the history of time as we're coming up through the Old Testament in a history form to give us years and times and who was where and who did this and who did that. Well, in, in 1 Kings, uh, the 14th chapter, I just, well, I could read verse 23 down through 25, but for sake of time, I'm going to skip that. All it's telling you there is who was the king and who was a good king, who was a bad king. That's what the book of Kings is all about. If you want to know who was evil, Asa was. You know, Jeroboam came after him. He was good. It's during the time of Jeroboam that um, Jonah lived. Okay? So that's good to know that. It was in about 670 B.C. is what the theologians have as a date for the life of Jonah as to give or take a few years when Jonah operated where he did. And it's based on his daddy. Because in verse 25... After uh, the king Jeroboam he did what he did, um, it says in verse 25, He restored the coasts of Israel from the entering of Hamath to the sea of the plain, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he spake by the hand of his servant Jonah. Well, who was Jonah's daddy? He tells us. 
the son of Antimoni, and he was a prophet. See, you would have known that if you'd have just read the book of Jonah. He doesn't tell you. He tells him who his dad is, but he don't tell you he's a prophet. Amen? So he came under a good king. Reign. He reigned in Samaria. If you know anything about the land over there, there was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, and Samaria is caught in the middle. Alright? So there was Israel, Samaria, Judah. And there was kings for each one of them. And they were all, if you would, trying to do their best to be the kings that God wanted them to be. Here we find the son of Timonite, the prophet, which was of, and it tells his dad that it don't matter. Alright. Right? So now we know who a Timonite is. Now we know what time period Jonah lived in. We know where he probably resided. Where would that be? Samaria. Alright? It's going to get interesting because here it says in verse 2, Arise and go to Nineveh. Where's Nineveh? Well, again, I've never been there. I'm thinking I know a little bit about it because Nineveh is on the Tigris River. You ever heard of the Tigris? Where's the Tigris, Nidu? It's higher. It's up more towards Russia the way I understand it than on maps I looked at. All right? Maybe you're thinking of a different river, but uh, um, this is northern. North of Babylon is the maps that show me where it was at. Now, if you can correct me, Nidu, please do. But that's where I found it to be. So it is quite a ways from Samaria. Now, he didn't just go down to the airport and grab a ticket and fly up to Nineveh. Alright? Nor did he hop on his uh, electric car, charge it up double, and head to Nineveh. It's quite a ways. It's a long journey. It's not somewhere you would just go on a vacation for a week or two and then come back home. It is a long ways up. Actually, those are the areas of people that lived that came and after it later on in history when God's people were taken to Babylon and then the Medes and Persians came in and wiped out Nebuchadnezzar and allowed God's people to go back to Jerusalem. You know the history, right? We've taught it over and over for the years I've been pastor. A lot of us know about those things. Well, the Tigris River was one of the rivers that was a mainstream to keeping things uh, squared away in that part of the country uh, through Babylon? Where's Babylon today? Anybody know? It's in Iraq. And the Tigris River and Nineveh is north of that. I'm thinking it's probably what we would know today as Russia. Okay? We'll have to check out the map. Joel, straighten me out on that if I'm wrong. But now we know a little more history about what's going on here. God told him to go there. That from Samaria is quite a journey, and it's quite a journey to the northeast. Where did he go? Where did he go? He tells you. He went to Joppa. You know where Joppa is? Joppa is that way. He was told to go that way, and he goes that way. How wrong could he have been? Joppa is southwest 
And he was told to go northeast. Amen? And not only that, he wanted to get on a boat that goes to Tarshish. I couldn't even find Tarshish on the map. I had no idea where that is. Now, I know Joppa's right on the coastline to the Mediterranean Sea. So that's why he went down there. says he paid the fare of what it would cost to go to Tarshish, wherever that's at. Maybe a, a small island in the middle of nothing. And he just wanted to go there and get off and have a vacation. I don't know where his head was at this point. I know he wasn't doing the will of God. So we're going to find out what happens when he does the things that he does. So here we are. I'm sure that all of us uh, knew about all of the, this background before I got here, but we've got to learn some lessons from Jonah. Number one, lesson number one. You can write it down if you want. You ready? When you heard the word of the Lord, obey it. He didn't. And so therefore, we know more about Jonah probably than we need to know just because he disobeyed what God told him to do. I just wonder if there would even be a book of Jonah in the Old Testament. If the word of the Lord had come to Jonah and told him to go to Nineveh and he'd have packed his bags and went northeast to Nineveh and preached to him. If he'd obeyed God, the kids in kid camp, junior church, they wouldn't have no story of Jonah being swallowed by a big fish. They wouldn't know nothing about that because it would have never happened if he would have obeyed God. Isn't that something? So we can learn by other people's mistakes. Amen? All right. So uh, uh, when Jonah heard the word of the Lord... He ran from it. We can learn a lesson from that, can't we? Again, God can talk to us by the obedience of others as well as the disobedience of others. We can learn both sides of the coin from people that God has talked to and how they responded to it. All right, verse 2. The Lord told Jonah to go to Nineveh, and the King James Version says cry against it. Now, he didn't go up there with a big white tissue and a bandana and blow his nose and slobber and cry like you would think. He wasn't weeping. The, the everyday Bible says, but uh, go to the great city Nineveh and preach against it because I see the evil things they do. That's in the everyday Bible. Go up there and tell them, I'm disappointed. Amen? Amen? There are times when God talks to me and says, tell them I'm disappointed in what they've done. Amen? How else are they going to know if I don't tell them? Because the evil in that city was something that must have been pretty bad because it got God's attention several I want to say a couple hundred miles away. The way I measured it out with my finger and that little scale on the map, and it's about, to me, it seemed like 200 miles from Samaria. And of course, Samaria is not just a city, it's a region. 
So I don't know what part of Samaria he was in. Of course, there was a city of Samaria in the country of Samaria. Uh, and so to measure it out, I probably wasn't accurate. Now look at verse number 3. What's the first word in verse number 3? God told him to go, but. That's one of our study words. What does that mean? On the other hand, something different's going to happen than what should have happened. Amen? Jonah tried to run away. If we look at it on the map, you can see the area and all the things going on, and you'll realize Jonah went exactly the opposite direction he was sent. Amen. i got to tell you something. How many of you as parents told your kids to do something and they did the opposite? Oh, well, you haven't been parenting very long if that hasn't happened to you. Your day's coming if that's the case. Amen. You can say what you want. I'm going to tell you my daughter, Missy, the one we're praying for, I want her to get straightened out. Now, she's grown up and a big kid now. She's in, she's 50, isn't she? Or 54. Well, I met her. She was 10. All right? And I was her stepdad. So I let Bonnie do a lot of the discipline. I never, you know, did a whole lot of discipline. I said some things, and I put down some rules and, but in our house, I let Bonnie, because that's her daughter, it's my stepdaughter, and I didn't want to be the mean stepdad. But she got up to where she can make some decisions on her own. Her late teen years, she got a job, she wanted to have a car. You know what? At that point, I was the ASC Master Certified Mechanic on Cars. I should know something about them. So she came and said to me, I'm going to get a car. I said, she'd come in with these magazines of pictures, and I want to buy this and this. And, and I just said, okay, here's what I, I want you to look at it with me. I said, well, here's what my rules are going to be on that. I don't want you buying anything that's a stick shift. Because by the time you learn to drive it, you'll have tore the clutch out, if not the transmission. Two. Number two. Don't buy something that's got a hole in the roof of it. If it's got T-tops or moon roof or sunroof or whatever you want to call it, don't buy it because a couple years down the road, you're going to have to drive with an umbrella where it leaks in when it rains. Okay? I think they're a little bit better now than they were back in the 80s. All right. And number three, don't buy an engine with a timing belt on it. And I explained what that is. A timing belt is something that wears and stretches, and it changes how the engine operates as that belt wears and stretches. And if it ever breaks, you then tore up the whole motor. So don't buy it with those three things. And I looked around, and she looked around, and I found a car I bought for her. She didn't like it because I picked it out. And, but nonetheless, she went and picked out her own car. And she bought it unbeknownst to the fat gray-haired guy. Guess what it had? And all three of the things I told her not to buy. Now, since then, as she's gotten older and gotten kids of her own, she says, you know, I bought that just to spite you. But guess what? 
I was right in each of those three areas she shouldn't have done. Well, I don't glory in the fact that she didn't do it the way I said, but I do glory in the fact that she now realizes sometimes you need to listen to other people. Amen? It got to the place in her life when I wanted her to do something, I'd tell her to do the opposite so she'd do what I asked her to do. And it worked out pretty well once we got that down pat. Well, here's Jonah doing exactly the opposite of what God wanted him to do. You think it's going to work out for him? Well, we know the end of the story and we know that it didn't. So here we find that he went down to Joppa He's a long ways from the destination God wanted him to, to be in. Actually, Joppa is probably from uh, Samaria as far as the city. The two cities are apart, are probably about 75 miles. And if you're walking, that's a pretty good hike. Right? So he made a 75-mile trip the wrong way when he was told to go on, a, I'm guessing, about a 200-mile trip the opposite direction. Now he's 275 miles from where he should be. Wow. And he did all this, if you would, in an effort to get away from the presence of the Lord. Well, hello, Jonah. God is everywhere. You just can't say, I'm going to go and run away and hide and be away from God, but everywhere you go, God is going to be there. Amen? Alright. Verse number 4. What's the first word in verse number 4? Yep. Again, but here's the other side of that. Another set of events is about to happen. He gets on the boat gets down the bottom and goes to sleep. Amen? And the Lord sends a storm. Wow. Lesson number two. God is everywhere and is in total control of everything. Don't ever forget that lesson Jonah learned. Amen? You may think you're on vacation on a boat getting some much-needed rest. But if God wants your attention, you and everyone else is going to wake up to the reality that God wants you to know about. Amen. Now, we went up to the lake and we wanted to get on the pontoon boat and just go floating. We didn't even want to go anywhere. Just get away from everything. All the noise or whatever. Well, that was good, except it rained the first two days we were there. Amen? So that didn't work out. But uh, I'm sure it wasn't because God needed our attention. They just needed the rain so we wouldn't have to water the flowers. But here we are in verse number 8 of that chapter. We find that the mariners ask about Jonah and why such evil seemed to follow everywhere he went. Evidently, he probably had to fill out a questionnaire as to who's on the boat, right? When you travel somewhere... You spend the night in a hotel, you have to fill in all that information just in case a tornado wipes out the hotel or your boat or car or whatever. They know whose it was and where it came from and all about it. 
Well, Jonah confesses to him in verse number 9 and tells the story behind his actions and what he's doing for God or not doing for God. So now, what's the answer to save the ship? The captain, the other workers on the ship, and even Jonah. Because they're afraid the boat's going down. They're in the middle of nowhere in deep water, and the ship is rocking and rolling. They're paddling as hard as they can paddle. They're throwing the weight off to lighten the boat so it'll throw higher out of the water. They're doing everything they can. And so finally it comes to the conclusion after they think it all through in verse 12, the only thing we can do according to Jonah, I guess you guys might as well throw me overboard. Get rid of me. And everything's going to be all right. And the sailors, they even tried harder after he said that. They didn't want to throw him over. They're nice guys. Hey, man, we started with 300 when we left shore. We want to end up 300 when we get there. Not 299. But all their rowing and all their efforts was to no avail. So, guess what? They threw him overboard. In verse 15, as soon as he went over the bow, I think the bow, that's the front or the back, I don't know, the stern or bow or wherever they throwed him, as soon as he hit the water, no more storm. Huh, how about that? It was Jonah was the problem. Amen. So, uh, here we go. Notice the impact it had on the rest of the sailors when Jonah was gone and the storm was over. Ah, oh, life's normal again for us. Amen. God really was dealing with that old no good person. That's the way they're probably thinking of it. Look at the problem he called him. Verse 16 says, They feared God exceedingly. Wow. And they offered sacrifices and vows. They promised God, hey, we're never going to take Jonah nowhere. If he shows up on the list, I'm not getting on the boat. Right? They learned their lesson. Sounds like they had a church service right there on the boat after Jonah got thrown in the water. Things started looking a little better for those guys. And in verse 17 is where God again shows he's in control. And the Bible says that he sent a great fish to swallow Jonah. Huh, how about that? He, Jonah became fish bait. How about that stuff? And yet, there was no hook, line, and sinker for anybody to pull him back out. Jesus used this story in the New Testament in Matthew the 12th chapter, verse 40, speaking about him and what's going to happen to him after he's crucified and Calvary and he says just like Noah or Jonah was in the belly of a whale now he called it a whale in Matthew 12:40 just like Jonah was in the belly of the whale 3 days and 3 nights Jesus said I'm going to do that only I'm going to be in a tomb in the heart of the earth for 3 days and 3 nights now, did Jonah come back out of the fish? Yes, he did. Did Jesus come back out of the tomb in three days and three? Yes, he did. 
So it is a parallel example that Jesus used there, and God proved that it would be true, and God made each one of those things happen the way they should happen. All right? Well, while Jonah's in the belly of the whale, chapter 2, verse 1, what's he doing? Well, he can't go out for dinner. Can't go for a hike. Can't see nothing. It's dark. Seaweed wrapped around his head. The only thing he could think of to do was pray. Good idea, Jonah. That's another lesson we should learn from Jonah. When all else fails and there's no other way you can see your way out, pray. Amen? Amen. When you see uh, you're not where God wants you to be, that's a good time to pray. So from verse 2 down through verse number 9 is Jonah's prayer. I'm not going to go over that with you. You can read that as a bedtime story. But I can tell you, it was repentance. It was thanksgiving. It was confession. It was promises and sacrifices that he made while he was in the belly of the whale. Amen. If you want to be a good Christian and walk with God today, those need to be normal practices in your walk with God. And of course, then in verse 10, and with that prayer, the fish got to some dry ground somewhere and vomited. See, I hope that don't make anybody sick. Spit him out on the shoreline. Well, I bet he was a mess. I bet when he come walking up the shoreline there, everybody said, Ew, look at that guy. I can smell him all the way downwind here. He needs to get back. All right? So we find that uh, he was put back by the fish, given a second opportunity, and of course that's what happens in verse number three, or chapter number 3, verse 1. And God speaks to Jonah a second time about preaching to Nineveh. He got a second chance. Amen. Not all of us get second chances. Amen? That's another lesson we can learn from Jonah. He got a second chance. We may not. Amen? Now that fish could have been really hungry and decided that he didn't want to have an upset stomach and put him back out on the shoreline. How far do you think a big fish, big enough to swallow a person whole without harming him, if you would, and keep him in there for three days and three nights, and then, of course, he got sick of him too and spit him out on the ocean, out in the dry ground, right? In three days and three nights, a fish that big, how far do you think it can travel? Huh. Now, he, now, Jesus called it a whale. There is a fig, uh, some knowledge I have about whales. Do you know where whales have their children, their baby calves? Most of the whales that we know of, in the, they go from Alaska to Hawaii for the warmer waters, have their babies, and when they get acclimated to being able to kind of swim and be on their own, so to speak, they go back to Alaska every year. Did you know that? They migrate just like that. Isn't that cool? Now, not all of them. There's 
whales of different kinds, different places in the world. Um, we even saw some whales when we were on vacation down in below Mexico, down in the Caribbean, down that way. But for the most part, the whales me and you think about, now I don't know what whales live in the Mediterranean Sea, but that's where Jonah was. And evidently, at one point at least, there was at least one whale there. Otherwise, this would be a whale of a story, wouldn't it? All right, but here we have God taking charge of this, and Jonah then goes to Nineveh this time. In chapter 3, it tells us that's where he went. Now, I realize, depending on where the whale spit him out, his journey could have been, he may have spit him back out at Joppa. I don't know. He may have spit him out way north in the Mediterranean Sea and it will save him some time getting to Nineveh. I don't know where he went. He had three days to figure it out. But wherever he hit dry ground, Nineveh was his next destination. He's on his way there. Amen? So, now we don't worry where the fish took him or where he turned him loose, but we have been a long way from Nineveh, but he still found his way to get back there to the place he should have been originally. Now, it says uh, how long or how big is the city of Nineveh? If you read verse number 3, it tells you it's a pretty good-sized city. It says that he entered the city a day's journey. Okay, now you have to know biblical language to know what a day's journey is. I'll read it to you from the everyday and make it a little bit easier to understand. It says in verse 3 of the third chapter, So Jonah obeyed the Lord, got up, went to Nineveh. It was a very large city. Just to walk across it took a person three days. After Noah entered the city, he walked for one day, stopped, and he preached to the people saying, after 40 days, Nineveh is going to be destroyed. He only got a third of the way into town. And he stopped, and he started preaching that in 40 days, this city's going to be destroyed. Well, that wasn't very good news for those folks. Now, Verse 5, the people says there, they were so glad Jonah didn't go a few hours into his message. How long was his message? You guys got 40 days and God's going to destroy you. See you later. That'd be shorter than my shortest message. That only took about 30 seconds to say it. He traveled, I don't know, weeks or maybe even months the wrong way, the fish way, the Nineveh way to get there and one day's journey into town. That's a long trip to give a, what, five-second message? But it worked. Huh. And the king got the message in verse 6 and he sounded the alarm to all the other people of Nineveh. Straighten up. God has sent us a man to tell us that he's not happy with the way we're living. We've got to turn ourselves around. Amen? So he told everyone else to do what he did, and that was get right with God. 
Amen. Well, this certainly did get God's attention because in verse 10, God reconsidered what he had said about Nineveh. He said, you know what? I was going to destroy him, but I think, you know, I'm just going to let it pass now. I think they finally have reconciled themselves to me. I think everything's going to be okay. So God reconsidered what he was going to do it, and he did not destroy the city. Does it sound like Jonah was the hero? No. Jonah wanted to be the hero. He wanted Nineveh to look at him as a hero. But God's the hero. God is always the hero. That's a lesson you need to learn from Jonah. You're not the hero just because you finally figure out how to do what God wanted you to do long time ago in your life. Amen? So, instead of Jonah being the hero, God was. So, lesson number four, don't get mad when God does things His way instead of doing them your way. Well, we've learned a lot about Jonah, haven't we? The truth of the matter is, Nineveh had caused a lot of problems for the Samaritans and the Israelites because they were a big city, and big cities always like to beat up on little cities back in the day. All right? I want to read what it says in here as a side note in the everyday about that. And it says that Jonah was unhappy and angry, was depressed over the events of Nineveh. This wicked city had been the cause of much suffering in Israel. No wonder he didn't want to go there. Nineveh had caused all of his people back home a lot of problems. You know what he thought? Ah, the table's finally turned. They've been rough on us, now God's going to be rough on them. Huh? What goes around comes around, right? Well, so it says God had virtually forced Jonah to preach to Nineveh a way of escape from destruction. Now that city was safe from God's anger, and Jonah sank into listless depression because he didn't do it Jonah's way. Huh. I bet Jonah sat up at night saying, I wish God would just destroy that stupid city. They're so rough on I don't even like what they do. I wish he'd wipe them off the face of the earth. That might have been some of the thoughts that he had. Amen? So when he found out that wasn't going to be the case, Jonah was upset about it. I believe Jonah would have rather he'd have just got rid of them. And actually it says in the Scripture there that it was a city of 120,000 people. How many is in Cincinnati? I have no idea. But it was probably every bit as big as Cincinnati. You think you could walk from one side of Cincinnati to the other side in three days? Well, there you go. That's what we're talking about. Amen? So, number one, here's what we learned. It would have saved Jonah 
a lot of money if God would have just took charge and destroyed him without talking to Jonah about it. If God had never came down and said, Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach to him. If he'd have never said that and just went ahead and wiped him out, look how much money that would have saved Jonah. Because he had to pay the fare on the ship. Right? And I doubt they gave him his money back when they pitched him over the side. Right? He didn't get a rebate. Amen. Nope, that didn't happen. Alright? He probably would still be back home. He'd have probably never left Samaria. Not for Joppa, not for Nineveh, had God not told him to go. Even though he went the wrong way. He'd still be back at home doing his own thing. Right? He would have not had to travel as far as he did. And we can't even fathom in our minds how far that could have comprehensively been. He wouldn't have caused the sailors on that boat so much trouble. Amen. Look at the problems he caused along the way. Amen. All these issues in reality caused many along the way problems. But we found out. The sailors turned to God. The 120 in Nineveh turned to God. And while he's upset that it all happened and worked out that way, look how many people was introduced to God by one man. Even though he didn't do it the way God said he should. Amen? It was God who was in charge and not Noah. Amen? So no wonder he felt what we'd call put out. Oh no, here I go again. In Jonah's mind, God could have handled all this without him. That's true. Did you know God can run the church without me and you? But he doesn't choose to do it that way. He wants me and you to do the things he asks us to do because you and I might be able to influence somebody that doesn't listen to God, doesn't hear God, doesn't know anything about God, doesn't know God's testimony, doesn't know none of that. But if they watch your life and see God in it, it'll make a difference in their life. Amen? So in God's mind, Jonah's lessons for all that followed, even us, are of much value to God today. Now, I pointed out a few lessons that we can use that we've learned from Noah. You probably have probably looked at it and saw even some other things. Oh, that, if that worked, this should work. But you may even know more than the four I pointed out. But in chapter 4, the final chapter of the book of Jonah, God and Jonah have a one-on-one -on -one lesson. And it's centered on Jonah's anger. Any of you angry? So God sent Jonah to anger management. Amen? Now, Hollywood makes funny movies out of that, and we laugh and carry on. But anger, especially anger towards God or the things that God's asked you to do, is not healthy for you. Now, once Jonah cools off, gets back home, I'm sure he had a different perspective of the whole scenario. 
But in the heat of the battle, sometimes we can lose our temper. But once the battle's over, we can step back away from it and take a look at it. We can say, praise the Lord. God had His way. Amen? In the meantime, God did a great work in Nineveh. It tells us that. And, uh, and uh, it was uh, in verse 9 through 11 that uh, Jonah was mad at a gourd, took it out on him, and God used that gourd as an example of how he should have really acted. So one more lesson we learn. The things that we might think are important, God may have a different perspective on it. So don't let our vision be out of step with God's vision. we got to listen to what God has for us. Remember now, I've always said it and I still believe it. It's all about souls and it's all about God. And me and you are a little farther down the totem pole in importance when it comes to the things that God wants us to be for other people. So let's take these lessons to heart. Obey God when He speaks to us, no matter what He uses to speak to us through. Amen? Amen. Any of you have any hard times lately? How many of you are happy every time you pull up the gas pump? Amen. Gas used to be a dollar something a gallon. Amen. I remember it was 30 cents. That's how old gray I am. But, you know, I went to the gas pump yesterday. It cost me $10 to fill up my lawnmower. That's something. Yeah. I bought $10 worth of gas in a can, took it home, put it in my lawnmower. Done. $10. Gone. Man, I, I'm, I wanted to tell everybody I was mad about that. Well, God has a different perspective. I don't know what God's idea is. Amen. And that's cheaper than it was a couple months ago. Amen. So I don't know whether it's going the right direction or the not the right direction, but I know God's in, in charge of all the directions it does go, and I'm going to trust Him. Now, i got to tell you, even though it cost me $10, I'm not broke after I spent that $10, because God's been really good to me. And I can afford $10 worth of gasoline, especially when my wife says it's time to mow the grass. I've got to get it done. $10 or no $10, the grass has got to be cut, right? We've got to do it. All right. So we need to make sure, no matter what comes or what goes, we don't think of it as, what's it putting me out? What am I put out by doing this? What, so anybody else could have mowed that grass. Let the... Animals come. A deer can come eat that grass and I won't have to mow it. Horse, sheep, I don't care. It don't matter. No, we want to win the Yard Beautiful Award. So i got to get out and mow the grass and trim it and make it look pretty. Of course, I'm not really interested in the award. I just want to be a, a if you would, in my neighborhood, I don't want to be the sore spot. Amen? Especially since I work on lawnmowers, it wouldn't be a good representation of my, my business if my yard looked a mess. But God's good to us. Amen? So while we think on the lessons we could learn from Jonah, let's always remember God's still in charge. Amen? And remember, Jesus never said it would be easy, just worth it. And even Jonah found that to be the truth. Amen? Let us stand. Father, thank you again for all you do for your people. 
Just give us, Father, what we need from Your Word that we can take it in, understand it, and walk and be the people You'd have us to be. Guide us in every way, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Yes. There you go. Amen. Amen. God's good. They're going to try something new here, so let's follow along. That's even one I probably could have played on the bass. I know that one. All right. Amen. It's a start anyway, isn't it? The first time. Amen. All right.
Joel, you keep the piano keys signed up, brother. All right. Yeah, I could have probably chimed in on that if I'd had time to tune the guitar. Yeah. All right. God's good. Anything else before we dismiss the service? Amen. Now, you know there's going to be a test on this later, right? You know who?